The most important part of any building, structure, or life is its foundation. This message is the first in the series, Friends. The message is entitled, Foundations, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. talking about friends, we're talking about relationships. For the next several weeks, I really want to help us to understand how relationships work from a biblical perspective. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships, marriage, family, parenting, friendships, work relationships, all these dimensions of life, because the Bible gives us very clear direction about how to build good relationships. And we have to keep coming back to this time and time again, because we have a tendency to really veer away from these principles. And I want to start this weekend and next weekend by giving you some foundational truths about relationships. You can't do anything well in life unless you know the fundamentals, unless you know the foundations. And every foundation is not very glamorous to build a foundation, but it is very important. One of the things that I enjoy doing from time to time is is going like downtown D.C. or some other major city and walking through the city and seeing new construction. I love especially we're in the beginning stages of new construction. When you're looking down in this massive pit that's going in the ground, you look down and you see all the trucks down at the bottom of the pit and and all these big earth-moving pieces of equipment, and they look so tiny down at the bottom of that pit because they're digging deep. And you often wonder, why do they go so deep? And the reason they go so deep deep is because the plan is to go very high. And if you want to go high, if you want to go up, you have to go down. You have to go down first before you can go up. There are fundamentals that if you don't get the fundamentals of relationships, I promise you, you will not be able to build a good superstructure. And there are people that are all the time trying to build friendships and marriages, and they're sort of plopping everything on the top of the ground, and they're not doing the underneath work, and because of that, they end up failing. And so today and next weekend, I'm going to talk to you about foundations, about fundamentals. If you don't get these things right that I'm going to talk to you about today and next week especially, there'll be nothing to build upon. Now, the Bible teaches us that God designed every one of us for relationships. You were made as a relational person because God, you're made in the image of God, and God is a relational God. In His very nature, God is is relational. Even the Godhead reveals this to us. God exists, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, would you agree that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit get along? They live in agreement. They work together. They're, in, they're one, but they're, they have a unity and a harmony in the Godhead. And so God, by His very nature, is relational. He is a relational God. And God created you and me with a need for relationship. In fact, if you go back to the book of Genesis and watch the creative process of God and how God made all things, and after He made each thing, He would look at what He made and He would make this declarative statement, it is good, 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 until after His completion of the creation of Adam. And Genesis 2 verse 18 reveals God's perspective on this. The Lord God said, it is good. Not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Can you imagine this? Every day God's created something. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Not good. Not good for man to be 
alone. God said, when I made man, there's something missing. What is missing is relationship. What is missing is the capacity to connect with another human being. And so God said, it is not good for us to live life alone, to live life within our own cocoon, to live life uh, as a hermit in our own little world. It is not good for man to be alone. And so we, we have to realize that one of the most important things that we will do in life is to build relationships. Yes, as I'll talk about today with God, but also with others. But sadly, the very thing we, one of the things that we need the most in life, we're, we're, least, we're, we're the most least effective at doing them. You don't need to raise your hand on this, but how many of you here have had at least one significantly failed relationship in your life that hurt you deeply? All of us could say, yeah, you know what, it's not just one. Maybe I've had a bunch of them over my life and they've hurt. Because the, pro the primary pain that exists in our world today, I think if you link back a lot of the pain, emotional and psychological pain that exists in our world today, exists at the level of relationship breakdown. We're not very good at it. And all you need to do is study your own life and study human history and realize we don't do relationships very well. We actually kind of stink at relationships. And the reason that we stink at relationships is because we don't understand the foundations. We don't understand the fundamentals. We, have, we oftentimes put very little effort, if any at all, in building the things that really make a relationship last. And so to build good relationships, as I said a moment ago, you have to get the foundation right. And Jesus taught us about the foundation of relationships. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse number 28, listen to what Jesus said. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. That's Jesus and someone else there. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Notice that statement, there is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you're right in saying that God is one, there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. One day, in the midst of a dialogue, Jesus was asked the question, what is the most important commandment of all? What is the most important set of instructions, Jesus, you can give human beings? What do people need to get right? What do people really need to focus upon? What instruction will make a difference in every realm of their life? And Jesus brought to our attention this word, and what was the word that is recurring here in this passage? Say it with me. Love. He said, that's at the center of everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus said, the most important thing I could tell you to learn in life, the most important principle you will ever follow is the principle of love, learning to love. In other words, Jesus was saying, get your relationships right. Because when your relationships are right, your life is a lot better. Amen. 
And when your relationships are messed up, your life is generally messed up in lots of ways. You can't be as productive. You don't have as much peace. There are all kinds of things that happen when relationships go awry. And so Jesus said, focus on this whole idea of how to love God and people. And he defined three areas. As I just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as any breakdown in any of these dimensions of love and you've got problems in your life. If you don't love God the way you should love God, you've got problems. If you don't love your neighbor the way you should love your neighbor, you've got problems. And if you don't love yourself the way God wants you to love yourself, I'm not talking about a narcissistic approach to life, an egocentric dimension. I'm not talking about proper love of yourself, the value that God places on you. You're going to have trouble in every realm of life. And so what I want to do from this basic foundation here is to give you uh, three principles today that we start with. I'll give you one more of these next weekend uh, that will help us to understand how we are to live our life foundationally in, re in the relational area. So three things that you have to learn to do if you're going to build around what Jesus said was the most important thing. Number one, you have to give yourself to God. You have to give yourself to God. This is where everything begins. It all starts here. You will never build the right relationship with your neighbor and you will never learn how to properly love yourself until you have the right relationship with God. And so I'm going to draw a, a triangle that I'll be using today in this message. And I want to put at the very top of the pinnacle focus point of your life who needs to be God. The focal point of your life needs to be your relationship with Almighty God. And everything needs to draw you into relationship with Him. And this relationship with God needs to be something that you commit to. You commit to Him. And you connect with Him. Say those two things. Commit to and connect with. Okay? Vital. <clears throat> this is what makes life work. That you are committed to God, and but you're also connecting with God. God. It's not just enough to say, God, I'm committed. There has to be an ongoing connection. Just like a marriage. A marriage starts with a commitment. Uh, this next month, my wife and I will have our 39th wedding anniversary, 39 years ago. We said we commit to each other, okay? Uh, but you know what? Along the way, you can have a commitment and have no connection. You know, there are a lot of people that are married, but they don't have any connection at all. They, they live two separate lives. There's no life. There's no connection together. And so both of these things are valuable and vital in a relationship with God. You commit to and you connect with. Say those again with me. You commit to and you connect with. Let me talk to you just for a few moments about how you commit to God. Because I don't want to take anything for granted today. Because God wants your relationships to succeed. And today we're talking about the fundamentals. If you don't get this right, nothing else will work. And so you have to ask yourself the question, have I committed myself to God? Have I come to the place in my life where I've given my life to God? Not a part of my life to God, but how much of my life? Love the Lord your God with 
all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let's, let's talk about that question. If I committed myself to God, how does a person commit themselves to God? Well, the Bible has clearly told us how we commit ourselves to God. And the way that you commit yourself to God is very simple. You commit yourself to God through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way you get to God. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the road. Jesus is the ways, we'll see in a moment, that you have a relationship with God. And so to come to God, you and I come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get to God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. And notice what the Scripture says in John 14, verse 6. Jesus Himself said it this way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except how? Through me, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So here the apostle Paul says, you have to understand that to have a relationship with God, there comes a confession with your mouth based upon a true, genuine belief in your heart. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means that you're putting him in charge of your life. Why? Because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Let me pose a question to you today. If indeed Jesus Christ rose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, is he different from any other human being that's ever lived? Come on church, is he? That alone has set him apart from everybody else that's ever been on planet earth because nobody else ever rose from the grave. Only Jesus did. And so when he did, he set himself in an entirely different dimension, class, as the Redeemer, as the Savior. And he says, now I want you to believe in me, the resurrected Savior, and now confess me as Lord of your life. Just put me in charge of your life. Now because I've risen from the grave, I want to be in charge of your life so you can have the best life so that's how we get salvation. That's what salvation means. We come into relationship with God and we're promised eternal life and abundant life in Jesus. One last passage here. Actually, there might be two. Yeah, two more passages. Romans 10, verse 13. Read it with me, all the campuses. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's that promise again. We experience salvation. And then what happens when we do this is described in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let's read this together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now I want you to see why this is so important. It is so important if you're going to build good relationships that you need to be in Jesus in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you come into relationship with Jesus, you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. What does that mean? It means that you are now given power and capacity from God that you didn't have before. Are you hearing me? Okay. That the power of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And that power will enable you to love people you would normally love. That power will enable you to be nice to people that you normally would not be nice to. That power will change you from the inside out to help you to live a life that you could live no other way. And so relationships are hard. Amen? Okay? 
That was a, that was a pitiful amen. I know you're thinking about it. That, I thought you'd shout me down on that one for sure. Relationships are hard, amen? Okay, They're hard. And you've got to have some resources in you that go beyond your own resources. If, you don't, if you're leaning on you to get you through relationships and the challenges, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to have something that goes beyond. That's why you need to be a born-again, spirit-filled Christian who's living their life with a commitment to God and connection with God because that, you need that power to be able to do any relationship. And that's where it starts. You give yourself to God by relationship with Jesus Christ. So my question to you this morning, and I hope you'll think deeply about it. Have you given yourself to God? Don't try to build a marriage without giving yourself to God. Don't try to build friendships without giving yourself to God. Don't try all those relational things without giving yourself to God. And my question, have you given yourself to God? If you have, wonderful. If you've given yourself to God and drifted from a relationship with Him, today is a good day to come back to Him. Just start fresh with God today. I'm giving myself to God. I'm committing to Him. I'm going to connect with Him. Okay, number two, second principle today is you have to let God love you. Any growing relationship is built on the assurance of love. The assurance, trust comes out of the assurance of love. And to be able to love other people, you have to have love to give. You can't give something you don't have. If you go to a water fountain to get a drink of water and the water fountain is dry, you can beat the water fountain all day long and you can curse it. You can do all kind of things against that water fountain. But if it's not hooked up to a source, it's not going to supply with anything, right? See, a water fountain that isn't hooked up to a source can't give you anything. And the same is true in your life. What happens quite often is that we are so needy of love that we don't have any love to, we don't, our well is so dry that we don't have anything to give. And so what we do is we go around looking for somebody to fill our well up. I just need somebody to love me. Please love me. We don't say it that way, but we live that way and it gets us into all kind of trouble. Have you ever gotten yourself into trouble by getting into a relationship? Because when you look back on it later, the reason that you got into it is you were looking for something that you thought that person could give you and then later on you realize they couldn't give you what you thought they were going to give you and so you were looking to people to fill up your love demands on the inside and dear ones please understand something there's no human being that can love you to the degree that you need to be loved it doesn't exist it only exists in the movies okay it only exists in the novels if you don't believe me, you, you watch these, these romantic movies and you, then you go take a look at the lives of the people who actually acted in the movies, okay, right? Are you with me here? This is real life, guys, okay? Four, five, six, seven marriages. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, it's like, okay, but you played, you were so in love in that mo movie I saw you in. But we have this, we, we get this fantasy built up in our mind about what love is in the human realm, and it just doesn't exist. There's nobody that can love you from a human perspective the way you need to be loved, but there is one that can love you the way you need to be loved, and that is God. But you have to let Him love you. 
I'm going to talk in a moment about how you let God love him, give you some specific steps that you need to take relative to that. But let's look at some scriptures about this. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, Paul says, I'm praying this for you, that you being rooted and established in love. Whose love? God's love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp I love this statement, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul says, I want you to realize that the love of God is is wide and it's, it's long, it's high and it's deep. And I'm praying that you will know this love that surpasses knowledge. Ever thought about that before? To know something that you can't know? To know love that surpasses knowledge. Paul was saying this kind of love is not the kind of love that you can intellectually explain. You can't academically lay it out and say this is exactly how it works. No, it's a love that you know down in the core of your being. You know it because you know it because you know it. You may not be able to fully explain it to someone else, but you know that you're loved by God. You carry that security inside with you. First John 3, verse 11, C. Circle that word on your notes, C. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know, know us is that it did not know Him. C, that is, have a revelation. Let your spiritual eyes be opened to the reality of the lavish nature of God's love, the greatness of the love of God. Now, Learning about the love of God, letting God love you, love you takes some, take some time. It also takes some intentional dimension. So I'm going to give you, these are not on your notes, but you may want to write them down. How do you know that God loves you? How do you let God love you so that your love tank gets filled, okay? The first thing that you have to do, I'm going to change colors here, is you have to, can you guys see that okay? Okay, you have to realize it. I'll explain that to you in a moment. Realize it. What that means is this. You have to accept it as true. Accept it as a fact. God loves me. Say it with me. Every campus. God loves me. Okay, once again. God loves me. You may not feel anything when you say that. There might not be a lot of goosebumps. No quivers in your liver when you say it. It's just, there it is. It's a fact. The Bible says God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him, help me out, they are weak, but he is strong, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, for I feel it all the time. No, that's not in your version? For the Bible tells me so. What, are the, what is the basis to know that you're loved by God? Not your feelings. For the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me that I am loved by God. And dear ones, understand something today. The Bible has a lot more authority than your feelings. Okay? 
The Bible is God saying it, okay? So you realize it is a fact. Say it with me. I am loved by God. Say it with me. I am loved by God. Number two, how do you let God love you? You reflect on it. You think about it. Well, what does that mean, God loves me? You, you, you mull it over. We call that meditating on truth. You reflect on it. What does that mean in my life? And Wow, that's incredible. And what does that mean for me when I mess up? And what does that mean for me in my relationships? And you reflect upon the love of God. Because anything you reflect on, you understand better, right? If you're studying a subject uh, at, at school or whatever, and in your work, whatever it might be, you have to take some time to think about it before it really gets into you. So learning always involves a dimension of reflection. And so you realize there's a fact. The Bible says that I am loved by God. I'm going to spend some time doing what? Reflecting on it. Number three, the third thing is you have to actually receive it. Let me show you how that works. I'll give you an example of how it works. An example of how it works is, let's say I mess up, okay? The times that we feel least loved by God is normally when we mess up, right? Is that true for you? I mess up. Oh, man, I messed up. Uh, you know, we may not say it. Does God still love me? But we feel it on me because I'm okay with God now. And so to receive the love of God is to, in the moments when I need the awareness of it, I apply it in my life. I say, you know what? Yes, I did just mess up. But instead of running away from God, I'm going to run to God. I'm going to talk to God about the mess up in my life. I'm going to ask him to forgive me because he told me that I could come to him, that if I would confess my sins to him, that he's faithful and just to forgive me. So I'm going to run back to the arms of the Father that I know will welcome me and cleanse me and give me another start. Anybody glad that God can give you a fresh start? It's wonderful, okay? But you can't get your fresh start unless you actually step in, you receive, and take advantage of the love of God. Not take it for granted, or not take advantage in a bad way, but use it for what it's meant to be there for, to embrace you, to welcome you, to bring you back, to give you the security that you need in your life. So you have to actually receive it. Have you ever tried to love someone before? They wouldn't, love, they wouldn't respond back. Anybody had a situation like that before? You're trying your best to love on them, and they're like, they're like, you ever tried to hug someone that didn't hug? It's like hugging a tree, you know? It's like hugging a fence post. I mean, it's like, this, it's like something happens. You're trying to hug them, but there's like, like this, okay? Well, sometimes it's the way we are with God. God's trying to reach down and love on us and hug us and tell us we're okay and encourage us along the way. And we're like this, okay? And he has to stop being that way. I said, God, I'm going to receive your love. And then the last word that I will give you, how do you live in the love of God? Number four, how do you let God love you? And the word I've used here is you have to readjust. Could have used a lot of different words, but what I mean by that is let the love of God change you, okay? When something happens in your life that you would normally react one way if you weren't living in the love of God, then when you're living in the love of God, you choose to react or respond a different way. Got me? Okay. Let's say that someone really hurts your feelings in some way, okay? The natural reaction of a human being is to hurt people that hurt you, right? If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You give me something, I'm going to give you something back. It's the Old Testament, eye for eye, eye, tooth for tooth. You hurt me, you're going to experience some pain in your life. Taste of your own medicine. 
But the love of God changes us. So when I'm aware that God loves me and that I'm living in the love of God, then I have something now to give. I don't have to give out of my reaction. I can now give to someone else differently. I can readjust the way I'm going to live. Because listen to this, the love of God changes you. When you're living in the love of God, it not only changes you in here, but it changes you out here. You behave differently when you're walking in the love of God. You're a better husband when you're walking in the love of God. You're a better wife when you're walking in the love of God. You're a better parent when you're walking in the love of God because you're now responding rather than reacting to situations emotionally. And so let God love you. Let's go to the third thing. Last thing. Number three, learn to love God. Learn to love God. These are all foundational. I realize that, but you can't build without good foundations. Learn to love God in return. Only receiving love never makes anybody whole. Just to get love yourself never does anything, really never makes you a whole person. The beauty of real love is that it prompts you, it motivates you, it makes you long to love in return. So you know that you're growing in love when you stop thinking about being loved. And you start thinking about loving somebody else. That's where love is maturing. See, as long as you're thinking about who's loving me, who's caring for me then you haven't matured, you haven't grown up. So real maturity of love gets to the place of now, I want to love other people. And it's really true with the love of God, that when you let God love you and you begin to practice these things and enter into the love of God in your life, the more you begin to now want to do what? Love God in return. And that's exactly what 1 John 4 verse 19 says. We love Him because He first loved us. And so the more you allow him to first love on you, what will be the response of your spirit and soul? Help me out. To love him in return. See, if you think that God hates you, you're not going to be real motivated to want to, to, to hang around with him, right? A lot of people have a wrong concept of God, that God hates them, that God's always mad at them about something. And God does have righteous standards and all those things we can talk about in another message. We understand that God is a holy God, but God is also a loving God, that God loves you. And out of that love, when you begin to receive it into your life, then it motivates you to want to love Him in return. And loving God in return is demonstrated by one thing. How do you show God that you love Him in return? One simple word. What's the word? You obey Him. And so, as I'm letting God love on me, take the initiative, love on me, I'm learning His love, then now I want to love Him in return. And how do I show God that I love Him? By doing what? By obeying Him. Just a simple process. Because I'm experiencing the love of God, I know that He's a trustworthy God, I know that He cares for me, and so if God loves me and cares for me and I can trust Him, then whatever He's telling me to do, it is for my good and for my benefit, so my natural my, my response will be to obey Him in return. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. John 15 verses 19, 9 and 10. I'm sorry. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. And so you show I love God by obeying Him. 
Now, how to, are we to obey him? Let me take you back to Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And we're just about done for the day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. What word other than love comes up repeatedly in that, that passage, that verse? So in all areas of your life, you say, God, I'm going to now show you that I love you by obeying you. That means I'm going to put you in charge of my life, in charge of every, all dimensions of my life. And when you put God in charge of all the dimensions of your life, notice this, I promise you, your relationships will get better. Every relationship in your life will improve when God is being obeyed, loved, and obeyed in all dimensions of your life. Because you can't love your neighbor as yourself until you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me show you how this works and we'll wrap up today. Okay? I put a triangle up here earlier. Let's go back to our triangle. I want to put you right here. This is you. Okay? That's the dimension of my artwork. Okay? We want to have relationships with people, so let's put another person over here, okay? So this is, this is the relational dimension of our life, okay? Very simple triangle. You know, most of the most profound things in life are simple. They're not complex, they're simple. Simple little equation I'll show you here. This will change everything for you. If you will make this number one pursuit of your life Drawing closer to God. This is your journey, okay? This is what I'm after. This is what I want to do with my life. I want to day by day draw closer to God. And if you link up with people who are on the same journey with you, they, got, they have the same objectives and their goal is to do what? Love. Who? God, okay? And both of you or both groups are in the process of moving progressively toward God. What happens in the context of the relationship with one another? What's happening here? Are you following me? You see the gap closing? And this, will ch this changes marriages. It changes everything, okay? Honestly, this... Some of the things that we think about are so complex, they're really not that complex, okay? That if you make the decision that you're going to go after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you're hooking yourself up, connecting up with, relating to people who are in the same process as you, then what's going to happen is that just by the nature of you moving toward God together, what will happen in the intimacy of your relationship? It grows over time in that pursuit. Now, if you connect up, if you're trying to go this way and you're hanging out with people who are going this way from God, what's going to happen to your relationship? I mean, this is not rocket science, okay? Correct? What's occurring here? Oh, you used to be closer. Why are we not closer? What happened? We used to be closer. 
well, let's take a look and let's just see what, where we are on the equation, what may be happening. And now both of you start going away from God. We've got real trouble. You with me here? So it all starts. Jesus, not only is he the Savior and the Lord, he's the smartest man that ever lived. Okay? He's the most, he's the most brilliant person that ever walked the planet. And he said, oh, you want to know what the most important thing is? The number one thing you ought to pay attention to in your life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of that, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else is wrapped up in that single commandment. So we're going to put a comma right there. I have one more fundamental principle I'm going to share with you next week. Next weekend, come back because I'm going to teach you what true love is. Okay? We're going to talk about what real love is. I'm going to help you to see really from the Bible what love looks like, how it works in our life. How do we love God? How do we love others as ourselves? So let's put our, our notes aside. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunity of being in your house this morning. We're so grateful for speaking to us. We ask you'll take this message or massage it into our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit add strength, insight, revelation to it that we'll live for you, follow you, and serve you with all of our being. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. 
Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.